and tell you, tell whoever brought you to church what, what you learned back there tonight on the way home. Amen? I do it to Sister Robin when we get in the truck on the way home. Well, what would you learn? No, I usually say it this way. Did you hear anything worth hearing? <laughs> Every service, Sunday, Wednesday. Sometimes she beats me. She says, ooh, I heard something worth hearing. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you this evening. Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to the book of Zechariah, chapter 4 tonight. Zechariah, the great prophet there. We won't be here too long, but we will be here to make the point the Lord wants me to share with you tonight concerning this message titled Grace, Grace, Grace. We're living in a time where grace has many definitions, many delusional imaginations, which really prevent us from experiencing our God and His will for our lives. We need to hear what He has to say concerning His grace. And where we do that is in the Bible. And I believe that I can share with you tonight before we ever get started that the overall goal or mission or attempt of the Holy Spirit through this message will be to get you to see that grace is always the Spirit of God doing something. You cannot separate grace from the Holy Spirit or it is not grace. It takes the Spirit of God who is the Spirit of grace to carry out the will of God that can be done if the spirit of grace finds the spirit of faith. They work together. They are one and the same. Amen. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. Now, before we read this, let me just, because if I don't share with you what's going on here and just a little bit of historical view here, you won't really grab a hold of this, but Zechariah, and you don't hear this very much, but Zechariah was one of the key instruments in the rebuilding of Jerusalem and its walls. You hear of Ezra, you hear of Nehemiah, but when you read the story and you study the story out, you'll find that Zerubbabel was a great instrument in God's hands in rebuilding Jerusalem and the walls as well. This Zerubbabel and Zechariah is going to speak uh, concerning him and how that the Lord will do what needs to be done there in Jerusalem, which is the same way he does everything else he does, by grace. That means by the Spirit of God. We need you, I, I just need to hang up there a minute. When you say the Spirit of God, you're talking about the Spirit of grace. He's not called that but once in the Bible. That's in Hebrews 10 and 29. Nevertheless, there are other scriptures that we will see in the Word that confirm that the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of truth, who is the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, is the Spirit of grace. It is God at work, as He told us here some years ago. Zechariah the prophet says in verse 6 of chapter 4, Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by 
power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Now, I won't use verse 6 in a way that I try to emotionally pump you up with hyper-emotionalism, which is what most Pentecostals do with this verse. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, say the Lord. And they try to move you, and preachers try to move you, but I can't move you in the right direction. If I'm moving you, you're going in the wrong direction. But if the Spirit of God can move you, you're always going in the right direction. And I've heard this ministered, I've heard this ministered so many times, try, used trying to get people, what they call in the Spirit, trying to get people stirred up. And this, this Scripture really is to teach us how God does all His building, and it's by grace. This was old covenant building. We're being built now as the church for a habitation of the Spirit of God. But yet, and we'll see that uh, if we make it that far in this service, but this, this focus of what Zechariah is ministering here is a word to uh, this Zerubbabel concerning that he's going to be used by God to set this headstone in this place of building there in Jerusalem and it's not going to be with might. It's not going to be with the power and might of men. It's going to be by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And, and, and then he brings in verse 7, he says, Who are you, O great mountain? How many of you know when they were coming out of Babylon after 70 years of captivity there, they were coming back and they were uh, the Lord was restoring Jerusalem and the walls and everything about Jerusalem, and there were many who didn't want that to happen, just like there are many who don't want you preaching the cross. Because it's God's building message. It's God's saving message. It's God's healing message. It's God's restoring message. He don't have another message that brings grace other than the message of the Son of God that tasted death by that grace so it could be like a river to us. Amen. So it's by the Spirit of God. But verse 7 says, Who are you, O great mountain? This is Zechariah speaking toward that which would rise up as a mountain. Listen, y'all don't worry about everything that people are saying negative about this determined movement because that's exactly what it is. God was predetermined. Jesus was determined. God the Father was determined to give his son. His son was determined to lay his life down and the Holy Ghost is determined to deliver you unto that death every moment of your life. You're talking about a one-track-minded God when it comes to men and what God's building among men. It's by grace or it's not God. It's by grace or it's not God. And when it's by grace, that means it's by God's Spirit because His Spirit is the Spirit of grace. 
And, and, and the Holy Spirit here speaking through Zechariah is really mocking this mountain. And again, this is not some big, huge, physical, green mountain. This is the mountain of resistance that stands against God's building. The mountain of resistance today that stands against the message of the cross uh, that tells you you just need to move on. Can I stop for a minute and just give a testimony? I've watched over the last year and a half, uh, people who were in a place, uh, I'm talking about members of Crossway Church, hopefully some of you could testify on this, this same testimony, but I've watched people struggle with which way should we go, that those that we follow, those that we've learned this through, they, they, they seem to be going back into what we came out of, are they right, have we missed something, is there something we don't know, but then there's a preacher here and a few over there who were saying God says uh, that he forbids we boast in anything but the cross. Uh, that, that These preachers are saying that you got to be determined to know nothing else and there was just this valley if you will of decision and I promise you what I'm telling you I've witnessed it with my own eyes. Uh, I've watched these individuals <coughs> about four of them in our church. I wouldn't point them out uh, but I'm telling you when they finally just said oh, okay I'm going all in with the determination to know nothing else they lit up like a blaze of fire hallelujah they lit up like a blaze of fire as long as you know it's right but you're still hesitating between ministries you're going to just have a little fire that's kindled but when you move into all of your nothingness so that Christ can become your all through this faith and the sacrifice my friend you will light up like a blaze of fire on the inside and everything about you will be different. I've watched it with my own eyes. People feeling like they're left out. They just don't quite understand it. But then they realize it's because I hadn't made that decision. I believe it, but I'm still dangling in this and I'm still listening to them and they're confusing me. Let me tell you something. Listen to those who won't confuse you. Listen to the ones who were called to build the wall because the ones who were called to build the wall are not putting a brick of poison in every once in a while. Hallelujah. They, they're not throwing some bad mortar in every once in a while. They're preaching the message of the cross because it's from the place only that comes grace. Grace ain't coming from nothing else but a legitimate and deliberate uh, and, 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 and what do I call it? Uh, 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 a de conscious decision that I'm going that way. Less of me and more of him. I'm tired of just using those spiritually good sounding words but I see my Savior crucified and that brings me into less of me and more of him. I, nothing else will. Not me saying it. Not me crying tears but me saying yes Lord yes Lord this is it this is the last move of God oh hallelujah this move we're in will intensify though there will be few it will intensify all the way till we're gone and there are two men standing with the same glorious message the message will not change when the two witnesses stand on this earth and the earth those that don't get saved through their ministries will kill them 
and they will rise up and live again. Hmm. Let's read this again. Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Now, one of these builders who going to build this wall, who going to build this city, who going to restore what God says belongs to Israel. And let me just say this tonight. Don't worry about what's going on in the, in the east over there. You pray for them. I'm going to tell you what's going on over there tonight. It ought not be nothing to keep you awake unless you're praying. It ought not be nothing to keep you awake at night worrying because all the men in the, that are in high places, they're just men like Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh in the hands of our God. He's moving them. You don't have to sit around and wonder what they're doing and why they're doing it. God's got ways that we look at and scratch our head. But when the dust settles, we say, oh, that was God. When God moved on, who was it, Caesar, to start taxing everybody. And you know they griped about that. We got to go all the way back home to get, to get registered to pay taxes from where we're from. And, and my wife, she's nine months pregnant. Can you believe it? But getting her back there was prophetic for her giving birth in Bethlehem in that place that God said his son would be born. So don't worry about everything that's going on in the world. Just pray for them and pray for Israel. Hallelujah. Because everything's just being moved, not by those men, but by God into place. That's why you don't have to worry about, well, what, what if they do this to America? What if they do that? Listen, whatever, they letting all them people in at the border? That's not right. That's wrong, amen? That's not right, that's wrong. But sometimes when you watch something that don't look right and it's wrong, it's going to open up a door for you. How many people are coming into this country? Have you ever had the idea they might need to hear the gospel? Hmm. Take a trip down the border and set your pulpit up there. <laughs> Take somebody that speaks Spanish with you now. Maybe a few more languages too. Then he answered and spoke unto me saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, 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 grace. That's what God's going to do, grace. That's what God does, grace unto it. Now, if you go and you read the story, just, just do a search on, on the name Zerubbabel and go back where it takes you and begin to read some of those Bible verses and you'll see Zerubbabel was there with others when some others came and said, hey, we worship the same God y'all do. Let us help you build. And Zerubbabel said, no, I don't think so. You know what they said? Andrew preached it Sunday. Zerubbabel told him, you ain't got no right to help us build. You have no right. Can't nobody build God's kingdom but the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I build my church, but how does he do it? By his spirit. Amen. That's where I wanted to start tonight. And the main reason that I believe the Lord wanted us to start with this scripture tonight is because he's equating what he does by his spirit as being grace. 
grace. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of grace. And grace only comes through faith in the sacrifice. Oh, the church don't even believe that. The, the church don't believe, church just believes they can get grace to go do anything. But you never get grace to do something. You get grace because you're believing something. And that grace will lead you to the doing of whatever God's will and plan is. And first and foremost, it's building you. Grace is to build you. And from his process of inner building you by working death in you, then you can express the building process of God in you. And always the expression of that is Jesus. He's the, he's the manifestation of God working and building you. Amen. Always. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22. And I, I chose not to just read a large selection of scriptures here in this context because I have a tendency to try to go to teaching all of them. In whom, talking about Christ, in whom, that's in whom you are in Christ, you are also builded together. That's a, that's a, you're also builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. Now let me go back to something I said just a second ago about grace only comes from one's faith in the sacrifice, the same way it came to save you when you got saved. It comes no other way at any other time. Romans chapter 8 verse 2 reveals that as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 11 through 13 reveal that as well, that you don't get grace without having your faith in the sacrifice. It comes from nowhere else. And it doesn't come just because that happened. If it did, then everybody would be saved. And if it did, then every Christian person would be just living holy in perfect harmony and nobody would be on Facebook saying that you don't have to take up your cross. If the cross just automatically, if we just automatically had a river of grace flowing toward us, just automatically without us being involved by faith, then we wouldn't be making foolish comments on social media that right out refute what the Bible teach. But because he did die and we have believed and we were saved, we still have to be delivered unto death always so that we can be at the throne always, receiving grace always for the building process first of all in us and then through us. And if that's not the way we believe, we've been deceived. We've been deceived and that's why most folk don't like sound doctrine because sound doctrine confronts you with what is not true doctrine. And that's why Christians get mad really easy when you present the word to them and the only way which God builds. And he made it very clear in the old and very clear in the new that it's by his spirit, it's by grace. It's by His Spirit, 
It's by grace. And, and, I, and I do not have the right just to do something and tell everybody that was the Holy Spirit. You've heard me use it for years. I've traveled all over and made people mad everywhere I go because I tell them you can go over there and stand in that corner and shake all over for 30 minutes and then tell me that was the Holy Spirit, but you ain't got no proof it was. You cannot confirm that was the Holy Spirit. How you can confirm the Holy Spirit is moving in your life is that you are obviously and viewable being changed. And the word of your testimony is the blood of Jesus. That's how I know God's working in you and through you because you're being changed and what you're believing that's changing you is also what you're presenting that can change others. Anything else I'm presenting that's not the cross, the way of the cross, means that I'm not being changed myself because if that power was changing me, I'd be presenting that to you. Amen. You also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And we're not built a different way than the old covenant people. It is different for us because we've received a new heart. We've received a new spirit. We, I was thinking about this. Solomon, nobody had more wisdom than Solomon till Jesus showed up. And now the Bible says the preaching of the cross is the wisdom of God. Solomon didn't have a new heart or a new spirit and all the wisdom he had. I believe this is a direct word tonight from the Lord. Solomon had all that wisdom and it didn't keep him from disobeying God. It don't matter how much wisdom you've got, how much wisdom you have walked in, it, that wisdom won't keep you from disobeying God. A heart for the Lord. A heart for the Lord. If you have a heart for the Lord, He's going to direct you to the place that He can feel that heart and change you through that new heart that you've received. That's the only part of you that can be changed. Amen. And we're being builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. We're moving on. Now, I'm not going to get into this. We're going to teach this pretty soon. I know it because it's something. My goodness, it's something to me. And I, I don't really have it together yet, but, but I've got some of it. But I, I don't have it like I need it to share it with you, but I'll read what I have. When I mentioned a little bit of this earlier. Uh, it's, it's always the Spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit. But He's the Spirit of grace. If God's doing anything in your life, it's by His Spirit and it's by His grace. Which by His grace, you can't say it's by His Spirit and it's by grace. That sounds like we're separating it because you can't separate it. If He's doing anything by His Spirit, it is the Spirit of grace. So it's not the Spirit of God and grace. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 reveals that. I marvel that you so soon have removed yourself from the one who called you into the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. From the one who, call, who called you into the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. 
In Galatians chapter 5, we read that the church in Galatia had fallen from grace. That means they'd fallen from where the Holy Spirit would be able to affect them and, and work in them and profit them through Christ. So that's a very serious. But let me read this. There's, there's three times, there may be more than this, but these three are, are key to me and I believe eventually uh, the Lord's going to have a share on these and that is the spirit of grace, the spirit of truth, and the spirit of faith. Do you know why the Bible calls them the spirit of grace, the spirit of truth, the spirit of faith? It's because without the Holy Spirit, they don't exist in experience for us. They don't exist in experience for us outside of the Holy Spirit. And you always have to go back to Romans 8, 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The, the Holy Spirit has the law that he works within and it's the, the law of being in the new covenant in Christ Jesus. But just because you're in Christ Jesus doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's at work. Again, the New Testament's full of it. I mean, you could be doing your own thing and Jesus knocking on the door, not in fellowship. Jesus could show up and tell you you have a name that you're alive but you're dead. Jesus could show up and tell you that, that you've fallen from grace. Christ is not affecting you or profiting you. And the list goes on and on and on. So things again, let me say it tonight, they're not just automatic. You have to fight to keep your faith in the sacrifice of Christ. You know how much of the church tonight thinks that their fight of faith is something other than fighting to keep it in the cross? 90.99%. They think that their fight of faith... Listen, they, if they don't know the object of faith is the cross of Christ, they're not even fighting the good fight of faith. What they're doing is fighting... They're warring in the flesh by the flesh and of the flesh. If you don't know that God's only object of faith is the cross, the death of His Son, then you can't even fight the good fight of faith. You can just try to keep believing, but you don't know what even believing means. Amen. This is important. The Spirit of grace, remember grace reigns through righteousness by the Spirit. The Spirit of truth. Righteousness is only seen in truth. Remember Proverbs 12, 17, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. And the spirit of faith, this is one that we're going to get into pretty soon because the spirit of faith, that's, it's, oh my, this, these, these have been here. These have been here. But like I shared earlier this week on my, one of my pages on social media, how come there's no books written on God delivering His people unto death always? How come there's not a book on that? How, how come nobody's interested in that? How? One of the most important things you will ever know in your Christian life, if not the most important thing of your Christianity, is knowing where your God is delivering you to always. And I can't find a focus of that in Google, I can't find it in Amazon. I can't find it if you know of any. And I'm not talking about four or five comments about that scripture in a commentary. I'm talking about something written on the topic because it's, it's of utmost importance. 
And we begin to hear it, and we begin to preach it, and the, the mountains rise up ever, everywhere and say, why do you think you have to talk about that all the time? And if you'll listen real careful, you'll hear that still small voice saying, what makes you think you don't have to talk about that all the time? Why, why would you think you wouldn't have to talk about what I did to redeem you all the time. Mm. We'll get into some of that later. Now let's move to Hebrews chapter 10. I got 10 minutes here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29 through 31. This is where we'll see the Spirit of God mentioned called the Spirit of grace, and it's exactly what's happening here. Don't let somebody talk you out of it. Wasn't it amazing when you started hearing the message of the cross and you knew it was right and you leaped with joy and you thought you'd just go tell everybody and my Lord, you'd unloaded the wagons and all the train cars and you took off and I'll go feel, man, tomorrow I'm filling the first car. Tuesday, I'll fill, man, people go, love this truth, it's the liberating power and wisdom of God. What a fire burning in our hearts. In the end of the week, you got two or three people on the train. That train's a mile long, 1,000 seats, and you got two or three people on it. When you start believing this truth, just like when you were born again, everything come against you. But when you go on with Jesus denying yourself and taking up your cross, man, it gets so bad sometimes you think it is a mountain there. But the Lord's already promised you don't worry about that mountain. It's going to become like a plane. God said he'd give you everywhere the sole of your foot treads. Hebrews 10, 29, of how much worse punishment. Everybody say punishment. Hmm. Suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God, and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto who? The Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongs to me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge who? Who? The Lord shall judge his people. This is a warning to the people of God not to disregard the sacrifice. Not just not disregard it, but don't put it on a back burner. Don't push it aside. Don't let those who are out there building mountains against the great focus of Calvary make you think that that mountain's going to stop you. God says the mountain will become a plain because the power is the preaching of the cross. It is that which carries the demonstration of power and of the Spirit. If you're a Bible believer... If you're a Bible believer. Now, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's to God's people. I mean, he will judge his people. People, I know people out there, they are, they, there's more people changing the word of God today, just like that woman. 
said, all you got to do is walk in the Spirit. You don't have to deny yourself. She ain't. She never walked in the Spirit yet except when she first got saved and however long she believed in the cross after that. But when she put her faith in something else, she had never taken another step in the Spirit. Because to walk in the Spirit, you have to have your faith in the sacrifice. And that's a deliberate thing. That's not a subconscious thing. Let me say that again. That's not something going on in your soul. Well, I, I, it's just natural for me, brother. It's just, I don't even have to be thinking about it. You in trouble. You can't fight the good fight of faith if you ain't thinking about it. And besides, what are you thinking about? <laughs> mm. Let, let's read this again because verse 29 and verse, well, that's it. Verse 29 mention all three. Watch this. Of how much worse punishment you got preachers running around saying God won't punish his people. Man, the Bible says he will. Suppose you shall he be thought worthy who is trodden underfoot. Look, here comes number one, the Son of God. Everybody say, the Son of God. And has counted the blood of the covenant. Everybody say, the blood of the covenant. That's number two. Wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, has and has done despite to the Spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit. You know what? When we tell everybody that we that we need to just let the cross be over there and everything else be over here, we're, we're listen. We're doing exactly what we're being told here not to do. We're doing despite to the spirit of grace. How do I know? Because he's always delivering me unto death. And if I'm not ex accepting that, whether it be in ignorance or just flat out rebellion, it ain't going to work out good for me. And it's why I can't get ahead. It's why I can't experience what I'm reading I should be experiencing. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So the Son of God and the blood of the covenant and the Spirit of grace, they're always tied together. You can't separate them because the Spirit of grace works within the perimeters of the shed blood of the Son of God. You can't separate that. You, If you separate that, if you put the cross over here and say, let's just talk about prayer for about you know, three months worth of Sundays. Let's, and, and people are doing this now. They're saying, let's don't bring the cross into that. We'll get back to that. Let's just learn about prayer. Three months is over. You ain't learned nothing about prayer. All you got is some information because without the revelation of the blood of Jesus, you ain't going to be able to pray right. You're, you're not going to be able to function in prayer as you ought to. And, and, and the thing is, people hear these, stuff, these things and they get angry about it, but they won't never bring this little old book called the Bible and, and say, let's sit down and talk about this. They just say, we don't believe it. And I'm telling you, we're in the greatest time of deception the church has ever known. When the disciples asked Jesus, what's the sign of your coming? He said, let no man deceive you. That was the first answer. What's the sign of your coming for us? Let no man deceive you. We're living in an age where the Bible says the preaching of the cross is the power of God and we get up as preachers and tell the people it's something else. It's going on. 
And these, and these people, I won't call their names, but some of these preachers got millions of followers on social media. Millions. And they think that's something, but what it is, it's going to be judgment against them. Imagine having seven, one of them had seven million. This one guy who's a product of T.D. Jakes. Most know who he is, but seven million followers. That means he's responsible for seven million people. They're following him and want everybody to know it. And the Bible says teachers are going to be held double accountable at the judgment. That's why, that's why we're not moving away from this truth. You get tired of this, you, you, you have to move on, but we're not moving away from the Lamb. I told some guys in the parking lot at Lowe's in Texarkana this morning, they said, y'all still hooked up? Y'all, y'all still hooked them boys down south? I said, no, nah, we had to cut them loose. They started bringing folk back, back in and, and mixing things up that where I come out of, we had to cut them loose. I told them this. I said, when the focus is the lamb, you got my attention. When it ain't, you don't. You don't have my attention when it ain't the lamb. I got a deaf ear to that. Mm. The Son of God, the blood of the covenant, and the Spirit of grace. They're forever inseparable. Forever inseparable. If God is working in your life, maybe you wish, or you wish, you, you, you hope that God would work in your life in a greater way. You're not seeing the changes that you need to see. What do I do? What do I do? You may be watching me tonight. Listen, what do I do when my marriage is just stuck in this dried up place? Well, that ain't God holding you there. I'm not being ugly. The cross is there. The message, you're hearing it. What are you doing with it? Let me just say it to, to, to you like this, and I mentioned these words earlier, but the, having faith in the cross means that you're moving into more of you being nothing and Christ being everything. You, are, you, 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 are, you can't just say less of me and more of you. Those words mean nothing just because you read them in the Bible. For that to take place, you have to have your faith literally anchored in the place where you're being delivered always by the Spirit of grace so that you can be less, you can become more of nothing in this world so Christ can become more of your everything. It, it, God God's not holding back on you because your marriage ain't working out. God's not holding back on you, but it's us holding back on God. God's got more grace and it's sufficient for everything we need. But you got to understand where it comes from and you and what you have to be found where you have to be found to receive it. Grace comes from Calvary's cross. Don't sit here tonight and say, well, I know all this. Well, if you do, then believe it. And you start believing that. You're, listen, if you're not fighting a good fight of faith, if all kind of stuff ain't breaking out against you, you ain't believing it. 
believing in the cross, the devil, he's going to throw a fiery dart at you when you start trusting in what Jesus did. If you're actually believing in Christ and Him crucified, there's things that are, that are, that are, are getting tough in your life, so, but, you, but, but you're receiving grace to deal with it. This is the message that goes against the grain of all false doctrine. This is the message that delivers from all false doctrine. This is the message that brings uh, more clarity and light that you need. This is the message by which the Holy Spirit of grace develops in us a heart for God. And just because you have wisdom and you can quote the word all day and impress people, remember Solomon had more wisdom than you and he disobeyed God to his face twice. We disobeyed him more than that, but God appeared to him twice and warned him not to do something that he went ahead and did anyway and he was the wisest man that ever lived. So it ain't about our wisdom, it's about our heart trusting in that's what I mean. You got to have more than wisdom. You got to have a heart for God. You got to have a heart for God. There's a lot of people think they got a heart for God, but if they do, it ends up at Calvary. If it don't, God show you ain't got a heart for him if it don't end up at Calvary. You do not have a heart for God if it does not end up at Calvary. That's a true heart that finds its place of full assurance of faith. A lot of people can cry tears and they're telling people that all you have to do is walk in the Spirit. You don't have to deny yourself and take up your cross. Jesus already did it. And that's the church today that can read the words of Jesus and say, you don't have to do that. But you do. You do. If you don't deny self... You can't have faith in the cross. You can remember that you were saved, but that's not the same as having faith now in the cross. Those who have a heart for God, God delivers them to Calvary. You see, the cross, as Andrew said it a few weeks ago, your salvation can't be your only encounter of the cross. It's your moment-by-moment encounter because it's the only place you can be found experiencing more of your nothingness, crucified, dead, and buried, and hidden, and more of Christ being all to you. That's what this message, the message of the cross does more than teach us how to live for God. It allows the spirit of grace to develop within us a heart for God. And that's what I want more than anything, a heart for God. Don't you? A heart for God. God, I I want my heart to be towards you. Solomon didn't have to disobey God. Do you know the Bible says, the Bible says, you go back and read 1 Kings chapter 11 through 14, you'll find there written that the Lord told whoever it was he was talking to. I I loved it. I'm going to read it again. It really got me stirred up. But he, he tells these words that David only sinned, not sinned, that ain't the words used, but David only failed me or however, I can't say it just like I read it, but David only messed up when he messed up with Bathsheba. It's in your Bible. 
That don't mean he never committed any other sin. You go back and read it for yourself. But there's something that says that. David only, I, I, I couldn't find it. Go back and study 1 Kings. Yeah, he was obedient except for his, his, his deal. It says, with your eye the Hittite. I don't think said, don't say nothing about Bathsheba because what he did was to Uriah the Hittite. <laughs> you go back and read those. I promise you those few chapters there, 1 Kings 11 through 14, you will be amazed what the Lord shows you, especially now that he's grounding you, establishing you in this truth of Calvary. Your eyes can see far more now than they ever could before because you stand in the place where God has opened your eyes and continues to give clarity to you, to your heart. Amen? We'll get more into this later as the Lord leads. You can stand with me tonight if you, if you will. Praise the Lord for His goodness. Hallelujah. Lord, we just want a heart for you. We just want a heart for you. We don't want to end up saying we have a heart or we want a heart for you, that we have a heart for you. Or we want a heart for you. We want a heart that's towards you. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Oh, to be found striving together for the faith of the gospel because you said that you're building us together for a habitation of your spirit. You've not changed that by which you build now than you did under the old covenant except it's not any longer natural bricks and walls in the natural. But you are building your people through the rock of the revelation of your Son by your Spirit of grace. Oh, grace, grace. The mountains can seem so high when we begin to walk in this truth. But the Lord has promised us and it reminded us tonight and I thank you, Lord, for reminding us that the mountains that stand against your building, Jesus declared it, that what you're building, the gates of hell, the mountains that stand against, cannot prevail. They'll be made a flat plain. And I thank you, Lord, that when the dust settles, the Lamb will be what we're beholding. Let us be found beholding the Lamb more than ever before. More than ever before. Let us be found accepting the place you draw us to and deliver us to always that you might continue this work of grace in us. Oh, let us have grace whereby we might serve you acceptably. Oh, in fear and in righteousness, oh God. Help us, Lord, to have more than words, but lives that are lived in this faith, but more than lives that are just trying to be morally good, but the word of the truth of the gospel, the testimony of the blood of the Lamb. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us tonight that grace is what you're doing. Because it is you that has promised that it's your counsel that you will fulfill, that you will perform. And I praise you tonight. 
I praise you tonight that your counsel involves us so that you can work in us and through us to carry out the counsel to perform your word in us and through us in these last days. We give you all the praise tonight. And before we leave this place, Father, we once again lift up Gladys and Ron and Rosa and Brother Dale. We ask for a miracle, Lord. We ask for the miracle for all three of those that you would bring them through this, Lord, and we're just going to be bold enough to ask you to leave them here with us for a time longer that people may hear their testimony. We give you all the praise for the gifts of healings and the working of miracles. I pray that those who are there with Brother Dale even now, those who visited him, Lord, would put their hands on him and believe. We believe even from a distance. We praise you for your healing power. We praise you for the promise of healing. We praise you, Lord God, tonight. Anybody here need prayer? Anybody here come, let us pray for you tonight. Do you need us touch the Lord to touch you tonight? We'll just pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, Brother Jimmy's life. Thank you for what you're doing in his very body, that you dwell in this vessel, Lord. I thank you that you're strengthening this vessel, Lord, that you brought him through the attack on his body, and you've given him that which he needs to continue walking for a season longer, Lord. I thank you for those who will hear the gospel through him, and I pray for you to be found, Lord, preparing them even now. All of We don't know who they are, but you do. And we pray for your preparation upon them in their lives, what's going on. For we know many are the plans of a man, but you're the one who orders the steps. And I just pray for great salvation. I pray for hearts to be receptive of the gospel that stand in the path of this very evangelist right here. And I thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lord, we just thank you for Brother Seth tonight. We just thank you for what you're doing in his heart right now. Oh, what you're showing him right now. By your spirit of grace right now. Hallelujah. Oh, that it's all about Jesus. That more of him requires less of us. And Lord, you've taught us how that takes place. By your spirit of grace as we trust in that sacrifice uh, where we're hidden, where we're put away, where that old man died and was buried. And Lord, hallelujah, out of that grave came the new man. And I just pray, Lord, for my brother tonight that, God, you would reveal this great rock of revelation in his heart, uh, this great truth of Christ crucified. Lord, more than he's ever seen, more than he's ever known, Lord, and I thank you for the fruit. I thank you for the fruit of your working in him, the fruit that you're working through him. And we praise you, Lord God, for changing him, using him, growing him, maturing him. We praise you tonight for your touch upon every area of his life, body, soul, and spirit, in every situation in his life. Hallelujah. Whoever it is you're praying for tonight, the Lord sees you praying for him. The Lord hears the cry of your heart. <clears throat> the Lord 
answers our prayer. He does because He's promised us that the prayers of the righteous avail much. Pray for them. Don't stop praying for them. There were people, there were people praying for me, and, and well, here we are. There were people praying for me, and here we are. And we're praying for people just like we used to be. Maybe when we were lost, maybe when we were saved and still living lost. Listen, God is able to save the lost and to change the mind of a wandering child of God. And Father, all those that we're praying for tonight, I thank you that you hear our cries. I thank you that your desire to do what we're asking is, is even greater than our request. You've promised us that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even think or ask. So I thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and working mightily through these requests, these petitions that we're laying before you tonight. For the healing of those who are sick and hurt, for the restoration of relationships, for a greater revelation of Calvary for all. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray tonight. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You need prayer tonight? Come here, let's pray for you. Come on. Come on. The Lord loves you. You know that? The Lord loves you. Lord, I lift up my little sister and I just praise you for your touch upon her life. I praise you for your hands upon her. I praise you, Lord, for giving her parents that tell her who you are teach her the things of God and I thank you Lord for your spirit that dwells in her. I thank you Lord for giving her a great confidence in you and a great love for you to be a testimony all about who you are to her in the days ahead and we give you all the praise for it tonight in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just do what the Lord tells me to do. It's never to embarrass anybody. He's faithful. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He loves you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Trust Him. Trust Him, Seth. Trust Him. He'll take you deeper than you ever thought you could ever go. Deeper, deeper, deeper in this great truth of Calvary. Again, Father, we thank you for this time we've shared with you and your people here and abroad. We ask you, Lord God, to stir up that that spirit of joy in our hearts tonight as we leave this place. We praise you and thank you for all that you've done for us, how you've snatched us out of the world and constantly remind us how much you love us and deliver us where you proved it to us moment by moment. And We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you Sunday morning at 10 a.m.